everybody. Welcome to the Funky Marketing Show. Uh, this is the show where I get a chance to talk to marketeers, entrepreneurs, designers, people who are doing great stuff for the great people, for the great companies, or for themselves. And today I have a great pleasure to uh, to welcome to the show the guy that I've been following around. I mean, he's pretty much everywhere into the communities, engaging talking different stuff, engaging other people. He's uh, working for the brand you already know, I think, from LinkedIn, called Chili Piper. And uh, his name is Daniel uh, Chmela. Did I pronounce it right? You did, yeah. To, from, nice. from one silent J in a name to another. It's a real pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for taking time. Uh, how are you, my man? I'm doing great. Yeah, we're at the point in Vermont. Uh, that's where I'm from, Burlington, Vermont. There's a saying where there are only two two seasons in Vermont: a road building season and winter. And I can see those uh, those road guys out there still working, hoping that winter comes along sooner, because it's getting cold here. But I'm doing well. Yeah, I think I have like I uh, don't remember the name of the channel, but a guy who talks a lot about uh, about the nature, about the woods, mountains, uh, mountain cabins, and it's my favorite channel uh, on YouTube. And he's from Vermont, so I'm I'm seeing I'm sense. seeing all all the colors and everything. Yeah, Vermont's and, really pretty. Yeah, that's you know I'm kind of familiar with it because I'm I'm from my hometown is close to the Balkan Mountains. So it's like the the last resort of untouched nature in in this part of the Europe. So it's you That's know cool. also also like two seasons. Yeah, there's a saying in Vermont that you know because it's kind of isolated as well uh, that what happens in Vermont stays in Vermont, but that nothing ever happens in Vermont. So that's the saying <laughs> here. Apart from I guess us doing this podcast today, so I'm excited. Yeah, let's go. So uh, today we're going to talk about building communities, about driving brand engagement. And uh, one of the topics that um, I, I love is uh, helping apply tech to support progressive causes. I think those, that's the thing that lots of tech companies are missing. And it goes along with, you know, uh, bringing B2C humanity, people first to the B2B companies, because like there are people building those technologies and there are people who are, you know, who need something to care about. You know, all the companies have features. All the companies have more or less, you know, building technology. But technology itself, you know, sometimes it's not enough. They need a bigger cause to belong somewhere inside the company and to be attached to different people in different causes. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, I'm excited to talk about all that. So uh, we did, when we raised a 33 million Series B at Chili Piper, uh, donate a million of that to a foundation. So yeah, we just believe there are a couple things that like, you know, Nicholas and Alina, they're our, our founding pair at Chili Piper. They're also a married couple. And they always had this vision someday after they made their millions, they made their billions to help the world. And then one day they were thinking like, wait, why wait? Like, why not just do it now, right? So there are $240 billion just this year alone already that have been invested into U.S. startups. Like, imagine what we could do if we took 1% of that, or as we did at Chili Paper, took 3% of that and applied it to supporting good causes. It would be like one of the largest 
new areas of philanthropic support in the world. And like, we've got problems that need solving. They need money to help solve them. So, yeah. 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 And you know, like it's sometimes it's just that easy, you know, choose the cause that you care about, that people around you care about and help support. It can, it can be just something that's happening in your neighborhood. It doesn't have to be like the global cause, you know, cause the changes start from, from, you know, from somebody who is the next door. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, um, and we can, if you want to get into this now, let's do it. But, um, I've actually built my whole career around uh, progressive causes. So um, before I worked in tech, I was actually managing the political persuasion program for Bernie Sanders in New Hampshire. And what's interesting about uh, political work, at least political work in the U.S., is it's basically sales. And it's like massive operations. So you have these massive sales teams of like a thousand people who go out and they either try and persuade voters at the door, like what what issue you care most about what scares you the most and then they engage with them on those issues or they just try and get them out to vote once they've been already identified like where's your polling location what are you going to eat for breakfast uh before you vote when are you going to vote and what's interesting to me and what i've noticed um now working in SAS for, for about 10 years as well is that the principles of voter persuasion are the same principles of marketing and it's what you find actually is that <clears throat> It's the conservative right in the U.S. that's more willing to use these principles of marketing or as, you know, a mentor of mine, Robert Cialdini, says these weapons of influence. So you have the, the far right in the U.S. using these cutthroat private sector marketing techniques and then the left being like, oh, let's just tell people what's just. And it's just interesting. Marketing is everywhere, you know. Yeah, totally agree. I, I come from a different perspective. I wasn't that much involved in into the politics in that way but i was involved in the youth work and you know helping uh mountain villages uh stuff from dying and you know all kind of all kind of different different stuff but from another perspective so it's also politics but in a different way and, and i very much agree with with that so uh and that was actually my idea to come for, to start from you know from your background and how did you start thinking about communities, about partnerships, about engagement, those kind of things and coming up to, to this day when you are doing what you are doing. Sure. Yeah, <clears throat> I can get into that really briefly. Um, so my career in like sales or marketing, so to speak, started as a door knocker, right? In the U.S., there are these orgs where people go out, they're like college age kids and they knock on doors and they're like, how's it going? What a lovely day in Vermont. Like, how about $20 for whatever cause it is, right? So what was fun about that and why I'd recommend someone get a canvassing or a door-to-door -door role at, at starts is, or even just an SDR role, when you have the same conversation with someone a hundred times, a thousand times, 5,000 times, you pick up on the nuance of how people react to what you're saying. And it's like, for me, that was the building block. That was the foundation of everything that was to come because you understand the aspects of tonality, of pace, of agreeing, of mirroring, all these principles of sales, you learn them by having the same conversation and seeing how different people will take that same conversation in different ways. So that was really cool. Um, did that, ended up running that organization. So I had a team of about a hundred, you know, college age kids who would, basically it was like summer camp, but we were also fundraising. It was really fun. Uh, after that, I, traveled to New Zealand for about nine months where I was just kind of backpacking around, not doing much at all. 
came back, uh, worked for Bernie. So I managed his political persuasion program in 2016. Uh, after that, I worked for Hillary. Obviously, that didn't turn out too well. <laughs> Neither did Bernie in 2016. Uh, and after that, I started consulting for tech companies. So I would consult with them on door-to-door -door sales throughout the U.S., uh, in, in some startups in Mexico as well, one called Bright, which is a really cool solar company that's still around and kicking. They're doing well. Um, and after that, I met Pete Kazanji who was an investor in one of the companies I was consulting for, he brought me over to be the general manager of Modern Sales Pros. That's a community of uh, you know sales operations, VPs of enablement, VPs of sales. So I started off as an operations manager there, ended up as the general manager, grew that community from 1,000 to 14,000 and monetized it, brought in about 2 million revenue from sponsorships. Then I went back into politics, uh, worked for Bernie again, he, he lost again. Uh, worked for Joe Biden. I was running Joe Biden's LinkedIn efforts. Joined Chili Piper as their community manager. Um, <clears throat> immediately after, took a leave of absence to run a pack for Joe. Um, it was called Leaders Vote. And we built a community of private sector leaders, getting them to give their uh, employees election day off. But we only targeted companies that were like 70% Democrats. So then I came to Chili Piper at first to manage our community efforts, but I manage our foundation a lot of our brand building efforts. I manage all of our social media content. I manage our events, a lot of our influencer partnership relationships. And more recently, we're bringing on three customer marketers to really ramp up user-generated content and stuff like that. But it's been exciting at Chili Piper. There have been a lot of victories, probably the revenue growth being one of the main ones, foundation launch. But one of the cool things and maybe some stuff we can share today is when I joined the company, we had a big consulting firm doing all of our social media copy. We were getting about 5,000 organic impressions per month. Now we're getting about 50,000 organic impressions from our company account per day. So it's been really exciting and I'm just so honored and lucky to get to work with incredible people at Chili Piper. That was quite long. My apologies to the audience. <laughs> no, that, that, was, that was good actually. So many things in, in just a couple of minutes. And it's, it's an exciting journey, you know, like doing lots of stuff and learning from different sources and just applying them whichever it is now on like yeah sounds like that from my perspective it was fun it was uh i would say the political work particularly this last cycle um working in a pack that was uh supporting joe biden was not fun uh it's fun when you're marketing and you're like this campaign wins and we'll get we'll get more mqls we'll get more pipeline politics is not fun because you're like if we lose like all my friends are gonna have no rights like if we lose like women are going to lose rights throughout the U.S. Like if we lose, like the U.S. is going to become way more racist as a country. Like that's not really fun to do because it's just so stressful and uh, like emotionally exhausting. So I'm really happy to be in SAS running our foundation. We can help out uh, kind of in our own way now. Yeah, but tell, tell me about it. Like, uh, <coughs> as you just said, in politics, you know, you were there because you care for the cause. You care for what you can bring bring to the people you know if if the campaign wins and uh you know now from the SAS perspective chili piper and everything what are now the you know something that moves you what are the causes what you, yeah. you personally and as a company what are you you know like bringing to the table and what is uh, what are one or few things that is actually you know net that is connecting the people okay well i'll say hey brooklyn um, 
Um, so what I'll say first is that you're talking to like probably the most political person at Chili Piper. So, you know, I would say we do share a lot of values at a company, but if you're hiring for like a cultural fit, then you're just going to create a company of like people who are just homogenous. They look the same, they act the same, they have the same beliefs. You know, Chili Piper has employees across 30 countries, which is pretty impressive given that we have 170 employees and we have like a ton of diversity of opinions and stuff like that. But there are a couple threads that run through our company and I think people can see from our messaging, this is who we are. And they're like, okay, if I'm not cool with that, I don't want to be in there. And one is like respecting women and empowering women. And this is one thing that really keeps me motivated at Chili Piper. A while back, we found out that we had a gender pay gap in our company. And rather than being like, oh no, what do we do? We just gave people raises until there was no gender pay gap. There's no gender pay gap at Chili Piper. A while back, we found our company was like all dudes. Now we still have a lot to work to do. I think we're 44% women but over half of the executives at the company are women and half of the managers at the company are women. So that's amazing. And that's one thing that just feels amazing just to, to be in a meeting at a company and marketing and, and be the only guy there is something that is really awesome. And I think it helps us a little bit because you have all these companies of all dudes thinking the same way, doing their dude things. And it just creates a lot of really bro-y, similar looking copy and marketing collateral. So that's really exciting. Something else that keeps me motivated is, um, you know, this this goal we have as a company to uh, to kind of help the world, right? Uh, we raised thirty three million from uh, Google uh, Gradient Ventures, their AI investment fund, Flashpoint Ventures, and then also Base Ten. Part of what's cool about the Base Ten investment actually is they have this initiative where after a certain level of profit from their investment in us. 100% of the proceeds go to support historically black, black colleges and universities. So that's really exciting. Um, but yeah, I mean, our goal is to encourage other companies to follow us. And, you know, we're following other folks like obviously Salesforce. They have an amazing foundation. They pledge 1% of their time, money, and effort. We're trying to do similar stuff here. So that's a lot of what keeps me motivated. But if I want to go outside the value stuff for a second, I'll say, man, I love winning. It's so fun to win. In a chili paper, we're just winning all the time. Like with this incredible culture, we win all these amazing logos. Companies like Shopify, Toast, Spotify, Twilio, Airbnb, Facebook, uh, Gong. Like we've got all these incredible clients that we work with. So it's just fun to see other people grow, see my employees get raises. You know, we had this thing at Chili Paper called a Piper Plan, where when you join, we map out your professional development goals for three months, for six months, for nine months. And like seeing people in those meetings be like, in five years, I want to be this. And it's like, why don't you try and set that goal for next year? And then seeing them hit it, it's just like the best thing. Just makes me feel so amazing. And it's part of the reason I love working at Chili Piper. Love it. Love it. I was, I was, I was the one initiating those plans when I was, uh, you know, when... I was working as as a, as a director in a in a bigger company that Funky Marketing is now, but it's also coming coming here for us. But it's interesting to see, you know, how people are setting up the goals and how you can come up as somebody with more years behind you can say, why don't you come up with that in a shorter period of time? You know, I know what can help you go and achieve those goals, or you know what you can do outside of that to even you know further develop yourself in that direction. Yeah. So, and I want to give credit to Tyler Parsons, our senior director of people for initiating these programs, because like not only is it important to map out your leadership development track for your employees, but what we found is that, you know, at least in the U.S., oftentimes men are socialized to ask for more. So like the dudes at a company will be like, give me a raise now. I want a promotion. I want all this stuff. 
But we found is that if we create systems where we ask the employees of Chili Piper, what do you want, rather than waiting them to come to us, they're more willing to like uh, express their outcomes across all genders. Um, and, and it's led to increased, uh, you know, promotion rates for female managers within our company. So it's been really exciting. Yeah, it's great. It's great to hear what's happening inside the company because like we can all see what's happening on LinkedIn, you know, yeah. social media. Uh, and what I often find working with different companies because we, we often work with companies to kind of establish, establish like the hub inside the company, which then sparks the growth on LinkedIn and everything. And LinkedIn is just the extension of what's happening inside the company. And, uh, you know, and it's good to hear more great examples from that. And I want to get more into what you guys are doing uh, on social media, on LinkedIn. And looking a few years back, like the first company that I saw really blew up on LinkedIn was, was Drift. At the time, like they were everywhere. With It was just like profile picture. They were responding to every comment, mm -hmm. uh, you know, with Drift hats, with Drift t-shirts and being engaged everywhere and posting mm -hmm. everywhere. But, you know, it's selling to those people doing internal marketing and then it translates to LinkedIn. Then comes the gong with totally different things, like something mm -hmm. that not many people can do, that many companies can do on their company pages. But, you know, when you work with salespeople, you can be, I guess, more more free and organize the Zoom party <laughs> and talk about lyrics on the page and do all kind of different stif stuff. And then comes you with the Chili Piper and doing something that is, again, totally different than what those two companies have done before. Uh, well, well, firstly, what an honor to be included amongst those companies. And then uh, that's exciting. Um, yeah, we can get into what we're doing. I will say, um, we can we could talk about this, but when I first took over our social media presence, we ran an analysis on all these other brands. What are they doing? How many times are they posting per day? What types of content are they posting? What types of content are they roting, ro rotating through? And what we found is that modern SaaS company pages can pretty much be divided into two pages. There's the people who post diverse content, video, carousel, photo, short form text, long form text, memes. And then there are the people who post the consistent content, right? Because that's the thing. You need brand consistency. You need to be consistent. Well, what we found is that the companies that were posting consistent content, and in some cases they still are now, because LinkedIn has this feature now where I can see how many followers other companies are getting. So mm -hmm. like, you know, we added 2000 some followers um, in the last month, uh, in the last 30 days. So, so basically what's happening is the companies that are posting the same consistent content, like the graphically produced image that promotes their webinar, they're getting low to no engagement. And the companies that are rotating through different types of content are getting high engagement. And we believe we believe we have a reason for this. It's that when you're trying to market on LinkedIn, you don't want every post, you don't design every post to appeal to everyone, right? Because everyone's different. They interpret content, they digest content in different ways. They have a different sense of humor. What you want to do is create a schedule where you can create at least one or two posts per week that'll resonate with everyone in your audience. But not all the posts do right? So you want to make sure that you can hit every single person in your audience once a week, at least with something that's relevant to them. And, uh, you know, we took that strategy from Gong, basically. That's what they were doing. So we modified it a lot, but it was heavily influenced by Gong. And then we kind of took it in our own way because Gong is already doing this. They basically rotate through eight different post archetypes. It, the number varies and they just cycle through them. 
Yeah, and there, there's this thing that you know that you look at the company page as a personal profile, and highly engage with people and spark the engagement because it's about people. They will help you grow the page as they help you grow the personal accounts, right? Yeah. Sometimes I wonder if like social media managers out there, because there's all this stuff about your personal brand. Don't get me wrong. I love personal brand. I think it's important. I personally am interested in personal brand because of how I can activate it for my current professional work, because I'm less focused on what's next for me and more focused on, all right, let's make Chili Piper a $10 billion company. Because if we do that, like a lot of the early hires will be, you know, we'll be set for our whole lives. Right. So I have a theory that some people take the best content that they would post on their company page and they're like, I'm going to save this one for me because I'm the social mm -hmm. media manager. For Chili Paper, it's a different. We put all the best content out on our company page and uh, it's been going quite well for us. Yeah, I agree. That's, that's something I've been talking with, with Juliana Jackson as well a few days on Twitter and also like, uh, you know, lots of people are starting to do that. You know, I, I won't ever be, I don't want ever to look for a job anymore but i mean you can do it in different ways it doesn't have to yeah. be you know just via your own personal brand it can happen if you do something for the company you leave the trace you do something meaningful and i guess it has a lot to do with with the way the market is today and the way you know people change i see resumes of people like being involved with six different different companies in a span of a year or even six months yeah. And, and you, you, what, what can you achieve in that short amount of time? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that and th this hints at something else where it's like, you know, one thing I'd recommend if people are like, what do I do on LinkedIn? It's just like, write Whenever you have an idea, just write down, send it to yourself. It's the middle of the night. Send yourself that idea. Because one thing I've been thinking about posting, and I'm not sure how to do it, but it's like the turnover rate throughout all of SaaS is crazy. I have yet to have anybody leave my team at Chili Piper, but I think it's probably only a matter of time because the people who succeed are going to get promoted into bigger roles at other companies, and I'm happy for them. But it's like the fear of losing talent is so real for any revenue leader out there. And if you pretend like it's not, you're you're not being realistic. Because like Chili Piper is not the only amazing company out there, right? Like I know that eventually... The people that I work with, the people that I serve on my team are going to, you know, take their metrics of success and blow the mind out of some other company. Right. Um, but I think what's nice is, um, you know, at us, I think we're very focused less on like, oh, I grew my personal brand over this period of time and more like here are the business outcomes that I generated for Chili Piper over this period of time. And uh, and, and I ultimately think that's what's best to do if you want to learn. And it's also what's best to do if you want to get a good job next, um, you know, unless you're going to just get hired by someone who's chasing influencers, which, you know, that's another strategy, I guess. Yeah, that's that's something else. So tell me a little bit about uh, about those things that you were doing for for the Chili Piper. I'm seeing lots of stuff like <coughs> most recently and the one campaign that is ongoing, including marketers and choosing the best one and kind of the competition. That's always, a, I guess, a good strategy, you know, to make people compete. And you are here yeah. just allowing them the space to do that and giving them awards, of course. Yeah. So, um, you know, our belief is that compelling social content is when you create almost a community within every post, right? If I'm going to be like, hey, here's my blog post. What do you think of my blog post? Do you like it? Do you not like it? People are going to be like, I'm not going to read it at all, right? 
where compelling social content is created is when you create a space where brands can interact with each other and provide genuine value. That's part of the reason polls are so popular on LinkedIn right now. Like there are two reasons. One is I believe each vote is given the same algorithmic value as a like. So the polls, obviously you get a thousand votes. That's like a thousand likes. So that's going to skyrocket it. But it's also like polls force companies to interact with each other and share information. So we realized this a while back that the best content we could create would be stuff that's provocative and encourages people to share information with each other. Uh, it started off, you know, you know, the low hanging fruit at first was just making sure that we were posting differentiated stuff. So the first thing we did is we just started switching up our content calendar. We split everything into eight different post types and then we cycled through those. Then we got a big boost, you know, maybe from 5,000 a month to, you know, a thousand impressions per day. So that got us up to 30,000. And we we're like, how can we amplify this more? So we set up a recurring weekly calendar invite across our full company's schedule where they go in and engage with certain posts on that calendar item. We hook those calendar items up to a hashtag versus a, um, Versus uh, like, hey, go to this link because our theory, I'm not sure if this is still true or not, LinkedIn changed the algorithm a lot, but it's that if we direct people to a hashtag and then they engage with the content through that hashtag, LinkedIn's going to pick that up as organic content versus content that comes from an external link, which they might discount the virality to. So then we got another boost. Now we're at 30,000 a month. Maybe we move up to 45,000 a month. And then came you know, the, the, the realization that we want to get people to interact with each other. That's where the top 32 marketers campaign came from. That's where a bunch of the other polls and stuff we do. That's where the, the showing love for customers who raise big funding rounds came from. And that's, that's where a lot of the, the recent growth has come from. But what's cool, and here's the kicker, is that most of what we do on social, we're actually not able to track, right? Because a lot of what we do on social is encourage user-generated content. We do this in three ways. The first thing, and this is the easiest bit of advice for social media managers out there, is you want to reward people for repping your brand, right? Someone goes and they say, Chili Paper is the best social media team. And we're like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. We love you. And we do love people for that. They know it's genuine. But basically what you do is you create like a closed loop around that content. Someone mentions you. Chili Piper gives them an engagement boost. Chili Piper employees give them an engagement boost. It makes them happy. We provide value. They want to mention us again. And we keep these loops going. So we probably get 20, 30 people mentioning Chili Piper every single day. The other thing we do is like gifting is almost an ad strategy where we'll take these influencers who have the content burden of creating content every day, right? And then we create something that celebrates their brand, something that's genuine, something that's real, not something fake, like these people that we love. Like, Daniel Murray from Service Titan, a great, a great customer of ours, or Evan Patterson, you know, people uh, who, who know us, who like our brand, we're, we're going to celebrate them. But what you, we know is that there's a chance that they're going to repost that, right? So if I spend $50 creating a gift for someone, I know that the person that I give it to has a 50% chance of reposting it. On average, they're going to get 10,000 impressions from that post. That means that essentially... I'm paying $50,000 for 5,000 impressions, right? So we do that as well. And that's really cool. But how do you track that? I'm not going to be like, hey, super amazing influencer. Uh, here's this gift. By the way, please post it. Here's a UTM tracking link, all this stuff. So we, we just give and then hope that people will give back. That's a lot of what we've been doing. Yeah, that's, that's exactly how it should be. I mean, not everything should be measured. I mean, you feel it. And you can sense it and you can see how people are expressing 
you know, their feelings. And, and that's that's a metric. If you ask me, that's that's a metric that it is extremely important. Yeah, and we want to eventually, you know, because for the first year, it was just me writing down all of our social posts myself. I wrote every single one. Uh, recently, we hired Methuli Elias, who's just like incredible. And, and now we've been able to increase the frequency in which we post, right? One thing I'm wondering, maybe you can shed some light on it, is like, is there an authority on the algorithm, right? Because I see all these things. And one thing was like, if your company page posts more than five times per week, you're going to get a 30% uh, cut to your reach, right? But what if we post 15 times per week, right? That 30% cut is made up by a 300% increase in posting. So like, yeah, what do you think about that? Is there like a, like, is the algorithm written in stone somewhere? Like, how do we know what's really going on? Because at Chili yeah. Pepper, we're just constantly adapting and trying to learn. Definitely not. I mean, I'm also doing the same. I, I recently saw the Richard Van Den Bloom. He is doing this six months or a yearly research, something like that. I mean, okay, some of the things I can agree. And I'm seeing them. Like, I don't know, you need to have a post which is like bigger than five rows. So you can have like, see more is the most important button over mm, there. Definitely. Okay. But also like, then, you know, I don't know. Somebody posts a post like Devin Reed from Gong and says like 20... Uh, seven tattoos later, I'm still able to get a, get a great job and it gets more than a million views. So what happens then? You know, yeah. so nothing is set in stones. Uh, I mean, you can, you know, you can get and adopt some of the things, but then you try them out. You see, maybe they work for you. So that's always uh, a different thing. Yeah. And a, a great example of this is just like being willing to be proven wrong. So uh, when I'm like, oh, I love seeing people on our team succeed. Like one example of that is Nolan McCoy, who joined us as a video editor just about a year ago. And now he's our head of video and creative content. But the idea was like all of our good content that we have in written form, we want in video form. And now it's reached a point where Nolan's like, I need help because he's just buried in all these video projects. But here's an example of like the LinkedIn algorithm switching stuff up on you. You mentioned Drift a while back. Part of what they did back when Dave Gearhart was the CMO is they did this brilliant strategy where whenever they had a new product launch, every employee would record a video of themselves and push mm -hmm. it out. And that's back when video was super high powered. So we've done stuff like this, but we did a little bit differently. When we announced our Series B, we pushed one video out to LinkedIn and got over 100,000 impressions on it. It was like everybody opening champagne throughout the uh, world. It was very fun. And then we put ad spend behind it and LinkedIn was like, actually, you can't put ad spend behind it because <laughs> everybody's drinking in the video. And we're like, oh, sorry. <laughs> but we got 100,000 impressions because like 30, pe 30 people posted it. Now what happens if, if you mass post the same video on LinkedIn, it, the algorithm is going to pick it up that it's the same video. Maybe it's the size. Maybe it's the audio clip. I don't know what exactly it is. Maybe it's the length. Um, but they'll pick it up and they'll cut the virality of it because they'll realize, oh, this company just got 100 of their employees to post the same video. So more recently, when we launched our distro uh, tool, which is basically um, our distro tool, which is basically um, – it's basically like a lead routing account matching tool. So it's like a lot of our customers like to use this for booking, but they want to use this for all their lead distribution, right? So they get a thousand webinar leads. How do you determine who owns those and distribute them and put it in your CRM and stuff like that? 
So we did this distro video campaign. We only got 30,000 impressions, even though twice as many people posted it as did our Series B. And then it's like the day after you're like, man, what happened? Oh, the algorithms changed. And you got to just as a social media manager, just be flexible, be always looking and questioning what's worked in the past. Will it work in the future? And uh, know that it's basically just a revolving target out there. You got to adjust with it. Yeah, there's also one thing that's changing and it's the, um, uh, you know, how long the video is. Because now the if it, video is like up to two or three minutes, because it goes in the loop all the mm -hmm. time, the video. And if you yeah. post the shorter video, when you tell specific things in, uh, you know, in like two minutes and longer copy, while people are listening to the copy, they're going to look at the video a couple of times. Mm, that's and smart. then it, it sparks the reach and the algorithm and it, you know, it goes on a different level. That's what I'm seeing recently. That's smart. Yeah, I love that. What I like to think about is like, okay, who's the person at LinkedIn sitting in an office somewhere who's responsible for uh, making sure that the social media network is active? Like, what are their goals? Okay. They want people to post content. They want people to post good content. They want they're probably competing with other social media platforms. So they want to pull their audience away. Like, what do they want? Okay, now we know what they want. How do we do the behaviors that they're going to try and encourage? And then, then you work from there to figure out kind of what, what's working. Because like, I guarantee you, like when they launch polls, they're like, let's give polls a little extra boost at first to see if uh, it'll engage. And then when they launch their new feature, whatever it is next, they're going to give that an algorithmic boost as well uh, to test it out with the audience. So that's your chance to kind of strike as a social media manager. Yeah, look, man, uh, if if I'm looking at what you have just told me that, that you guys are doing, I think you're going straight to that. Like now the, the LinkedIn is focused on creators. They even have the team that's reaching out to all the creators on LinkedIn. I have a guy who is kind of coming up to me, say, what are your three goals? Let me help you achieve them in six months. And... By doing that campaign for the for the marketing people, you are basically acting as LinkedIn, helping them get to the next level. The way yep. I'm seeing it, at least. Nice. Yeah, that marketing campaign is so fun because so I benchmarked and I bet a lot of this is like these people like Devin Reed gains a thousand followers every day anyway. But when we first did it, I wrote down all of the number of LinkedIn followers that everyone participating had and then aggregated them. And what's cool is we're three weeks into the competition across the 32 speakers, they've gained over 30,000 followers, which is just like freaking awesome. Right. Because it's tough. I bet it's stressful to be in those polls because you're like, ah, but really like the goal is just to celebrate all the amazing people creating incredible content on LinkedIn. And uh, I think we've succeeded so far. We'll continue to succeed. But once the polls are over, people will be able to relax and then we'll just be able to really celebrate them with gifts with champagne, with flights anywhere in the world, um, and with content pieces as well. So, Ed, thank you. We're really excited about that campaign. It's been, it's been. Yeah, let, let, let me tell you a secret. That was kind of using the polls for that was kind of our idea for something that we have started last year. And oh, it's, wow. uh, it started from, you know, we were seeing people, uh, it was end of the year and LinkedIn was awarding all kind of different people, like, you know, top top 10 people on LinkedIn or Balkans or top 10 marketing people or top 10 salespeople. And a lot of those people were some names that we have never seen or people that have started LinkedIn in the last three months. But, you know, as they grow, as the engagement grow, then that's it. They have a low number of connections, but high engagement. 
and that's how they got on the list. So we said, okay, we're going to do something and we're going to create our own funky marketing top voices list. When we're going to get people, I'm going to ask people from my company to give me like top 10 people who they consider like the top voice. And then we match them up and we come up with, with the list of, I don't know how many were them, like 15 or something like that. Uh, and what we have done with them, we've done, done an interview with them, uh, written one. We have done the podcast and uh, we have basically out of a list, we have created the content for the next six months. That's awesome. Out That's of cool. And, and that kind of got us into the next level that, you know, people were kind of, uh, you know, started uh, funky marketing. We started to get attraction. But but then when we when we came up with that, it got to a completely new level. That's awesome. Yeah. No. And I see you all all over the place, too. So I when you so yeah, me, now, I now we have like, I know now, all we have the, now we have the task to kind of, you know, do something differently. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's interesting because it's like so much content is recycled on LinkedIn. So it was actually lead IQ who inspired us six, seven months ago during March to do this. They did a March madness sales leader battle off or whatever. Nice. And we looked at it and I was like, this is amazing. Maybe someday we can do something like this. Um, we did a little bit differently. Like what I liked about the lead IQ, well, like obviously that was the original head-to-head -head polling battle from from SaaS influencers. So like they're the originators; they get the credit for it. So credit to Ryan O'Hara and the Lead IQ to to me as well, and the, not to me, but to their founder, um, um, and the Lead IQ team. But it's like what I would say is like, how can you adjust it? So there are a couple of things we did really differently um, with our ours. The first thing is it was a hundred percent user-generated content, right? So. I see all these like top 20 lists. It's like the top 20 lead attribution softwares. It's like, I see those articles and it's like, but is that really the top 20 or is this just your content marketing SEO team giving your opinion? It's like opinion journalism versus news journalism, right? So what we did with the top 32 marketers campaign is we entirely crowdsourced the nominees via LinkedIn. Who do you want to nominate, right? Then we got all the nominees. Then we use the frequency of nominations to, to seed people. We pick the top 32 from there. Um, and, and then a couple other things we did differently is instead of it being a one-to-one -one poll, we put four people in the poll at the same time because we figured that would get more engagement and also people don't want two months straight of polls. So I think there are a bunch of different ways to do it. My theory is we're going to see a lot more of these top lists coming out soon. Um, but they're really fun. It's a great way to learn who you should follow and to, you know, so, so what's actually going to happen is after the top 32 is over, we're going to release the full list of the top 100 and then the full list of the top 270 that were nominated and everybody's going to get gifts. It's a good thing we have so many millions in the banks because we're going to be spending a couple, a couple <laughs> tens of thousands of dollars sending out these gifts to folks, but it's worth it. They deserve it. They're, they're leading our industry now. So we're just excited to get to celebrate them. Yeah, that's, that's very, very smart way to go. So let me ask you one thing. We are talking about inspiration and where do we get it? How much do you do you get inspired and learn from uh, from outside of, of marketing and business things like from, I don't know from music scene from hip hop from from politics let go but anyway like um, I don't know from comics for example I I learned a lot from comics when it comes to copywriting and the way you know somebody entered the discussion the conversations how it goes like those kind of stuff 
So where, where do you do you learn and do you learn outside of it? Yeah, a ton is learned outside of um, the traditional, you know, wherever you learn stuff traditionally. I learned a lot from LinkedIn. So, you know, we have something we do where, okay, about to say a couple weird things. But one thing I do every night is I look across all of our competitors on their social media presence every single night. I look at everything they posted. And then I think, did Chili Piper win today? <laughs> I know that's so weird, but every day in my mind, it's like a binary thing. And then we also have a Slack channel at Chili Piper where it's great marketing, where every time we see something great, something that performs better than us, we're like, why is that? Now LinkedIn also has this thing where we can see how many followers our competitors are gaining or even non-competitive companies that we just respect, right? So we can look at who's being successful and then we can dive into those tactics and be like, how do we do stuff similar to that? But yeah, there's a ton of stuff outside of SaaS that inspires us. A lot of B2C marketing, a lot of psychology. Um, for me personally, I would say a huge part of my training curriculum for onboarding, as well as like the psychology we use with our strategy, is based off the work of Robert Cialdini and his book Influence, which is yeah, just I think, like I think there yeah. it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There it is. It's like the best book. Like I was, I was spoken, I was speaking recently to our SDR team and they're like, can you do a training on social selling? And I was like, well, like, let me find Daniel Disney or Evan Patterson because I have never done social selling, but you know, you can probably tell I always have stuff to say. So I was like, but here's like, let's talk about psychology and reciprocity and gifting. And, and that is where a lot of our inspiration comes from. Um, psychology. Yeah. I mean, being in marketing and knowing a thing or two or two about psychology, it definitely helps. I, I like to say that, you know, technology is changeable, but people, they don't change. If you got into the psychology and you get to know people, you will always find a way to win. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, yeah, but the last thing I would say on inspiration is like, get yourself in a different mindset, right? Like, you're working all day. You're, you're thinking statically about ideas. You're not being creative. Go for a walk. Like, you know, go sprint in the woods, go run around with your dogs, climb a mountain. And just like when you have an idea, send it as you send it as an email to yourself. And then when you're in like the, the working state later, then go and look at that idea. And a lot of weird ideas we come up with that way, but some of them become um, ideas that we do. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. That's that's also what I'm what I'm doing and what I'm kind of pushing pushing people in the team in the team to do like yeah. don't don't sit for eight hours and just wait for ideas to come up like go I don't know some of them are big gym lovers go to the gym lift some weights or go drive a car they love to drive a car around play some music inside the car you will come up with some thoughts or anything you know like yeah. or or do your do your stuff I like to ride a bicycle. And listen to the music sometimes it's podcast sometimes you know i get a ticket for for having my headphones while riding a bike but that also <laughs> happens uh but like a few years ago uh, uh when i was in performance marketing for example that helps me help me to kind of get into the mood of being the best when it's needed because mm -hmm. you know like i i bought a bicycle the old school cruiser one that nobody in in the country has and it's like nice. a huge wheel and everything. And when I ride through the city, all eyes are on me. So I kind of get used to that feeling. 
And then, you know, you always know that people are looking at you, that you are causing the attention. And when it comes the time that, you know, under the, all the attention and the pressure you need to perform, then you're kind of in, in the more less natural state. So yeah. also like finding things to get you in the state when you can perform the best outside of, of the working environment. Yeah, I, I agree a thousand percent. And, and I would even take it a couple steps. Well, not steps further. It's kind of a, a different point that, that we probably also agree on is, uh, you know, making sure you don't just do content and forget it, right? We have a weekly thing where uh, every week, Medioli, uh, Nolan, who runs our video team, and I will look at all the social posts we made the last week and we'll grade them. Like, uh, no color means it was meh, red means it was bad, green means it was good, and gold means it was great. So we'll go through, we'll rank all the posts for the last week, we'll write the calendar for the next week. But then when we find those goals, it's like, why is it that this post was successful? Like, find something that works, either it's a tactic or it's a principle or something, and then be like, how else can I apply this? And that's where a lot of the content, and I could say, as long as LinkedIn doesn't deprecate the polls function, we're going to be coming out with another campaign uh, in two weeks that is going to be like, I believe, much larger than the top 32 marketers campaign. And it came from looking at like, why was the top 32 marketers campaign successful? How can we do it? It's not another head-to-head -head competition of, of SaaS leaders, by the way, everyone. I just don't want to say it yet because uh, <laughs> I want it to be a surprise. And I don't yeah. really want to take the idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, uh, one thing I would take out of it, it's important to analyze the performance and what, you know, what brought you to results or to what, what have you done that didn't get you to the results? You know, yeah. what you could have done better, what are some things that, you know, even though maybe you, 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 you were losing, but some things were good, what can you use and amplify that to kind of get the win in, in the long run or those kind of yeah. things? Highly important. Like one thing that I'm, that I'm seeing like, talking with companies, especially when we start working with them, like before we do anything, ads, organic, you know, the whole demand gen thing and everything, I said, I need to analyze things. I need to see what have you been doing before, who are the people, how much do you know about your target audience and all those kind of stuff. Then I can tell you what you can do or what you can't do, you know, and, and the companies are in most cases like, what can you, why can't you just write a blog or yeah. like pay, pay for the advertisements, let, let's do it. You know, and yeah. that, that's not the way to go. Yeah. And even like, look at other folks, like here's a great example, Daniel Murray, runs, as I'm sure you've seen it, the Marketing Millennials. Have you seen this group? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm blocked oh or, or somewhere oh on Twitter God. or LinkedIn, something like that. I don't know. Yeah, well, it's on LinkedIn, but it was like, they had like 15,000 followers when I started at Chili Pepper. Now they have 100,000 followers. It's like, how are they doing this? It's so formulaic, but it's clear what they're doing. It's brilliant. They take viral, high-performing content on Twitter, on LinkedIn, elsewhere. They know that content's already going to perform well, right? Because it's already been pre-vetted for its virality. And they just re-push it to LinkedIn. And then they give credit to the speakers. So they're not stealing content. They're celebrating the content creators. And it's like when you see something like that, even if it's not at your company, pause to understand what's happening there. And even if you never implement that yourself, you'll understand more about the way the audience reacts, right? So just deep dive into successes. Our, you know, for so long we've been like, oh, let's do what, what Marketing Millennials is doing. And we might eventually do something like that, but for, for us, because we have our like eight different post types, right? When we find something that works, our action item is, okay, 
let's let's put this into the, our cycle of posts that we have. We'll try for two weeks, see what happens, right? So, mm -hmm. so yeah, look not only to your own projects, but to other projects of other people, and uh, they'll give you the inspiration. And talk to leaders, talk to mentors. Uh, J.R. Williams, I've had like two conversations with him about social media, and both blew my mind in an amazing way. And I, we learned so much. So just like find someone that you can learn from, and then uh, then then don't forget the the tidbits they give you. Yeah, very, very well said. I mean, inspiration is all around and there are people, you know, bouncing off everywhere. I, I like to say like, uh, even who used to work with me also, like, was you need to take care to pay attention to the uh, newly growing uh, accounts, people who, are, who just come to the platform and are blowing up because those people know something that you don't know. You know, like, and if you get on that train and see what's behind it, what's the psychology behind it, because like I was talking yesterday with a, with a company, it's an old company, 20 years old, doing localization and translation. And they, they were, you know, they know what they need to do on LinkedIn, but, you know, they are not, they don't have time. They're maybe too old for that. And they were like, so we were thinking we should get somebody who is Gen Z who is totally out of uh, our industry and everything and just give them a task. Okay, here's the LinkedIn or here's TikTok or whatever. Mm -hmm. Do whatever you want to do, uh, but figure out the platform. Yeah, Somebody I love that. Who, who can get, you know, thoughts out of it and just go. And I was like really happy to hear to hear the way they are thinking, you know, because they, they know what are the goals. And, you know, how they can, they can set them up in the right direction. But how to get there, they have no clue. Yeah, that makes me happy to hear as well because, you know, it's actually something I struggled with at Chili Piper for a while where, um, you know, I'd never run social media for a company before I joined. But things w were going quite well and they continue to uh, go really well. We, we actually surveyed our, our customers over the last year and found that 40% of the net new customers we got heard of us first through LinkedIn. And then another 20% of us heard of us first through a community. So it's exciting. But as, as to your point, I was getting a lot of pressure from, from Nicola, our, our CEO, to try and hire someone with a B2B background. They're like, I want someone who's, who's already grown a social media audience for a B2B company and they have that track record. My response was like twofold. Like one, those people are not applying to be social media managers now. They're like applying for director level marketing positions because they've had so much success. But two... I think this desire, particularly in social media, to hire people from the industry who know the stuff of the industry is actually self-defeating because it's mm -hmm. like, why would I want to hire someone who's just been trained to do things the way that everyone else always does things? And it's like, so we hired Medioli, who whose background is running Instagram for restaurants. And it's like, What's social media about for me? It's not about appealing. I'm not marketing to the company pages of some other. I'm marketing to humans. So social media, even B2B social media, is invariably B2C because your goal is still to interact with individual humans with emotions that react to the same emotional cues. It's not to like, you know, comment on the company page of Intuit, which, by the way, is another Chili Piper customer. We love Intuit. Love it. Love it. I mean, that, that's how I'm thinking. I, I came to B2B like in 2020 when I started funky marketing. Before that, I was doing only B2C. Performance marketing, before that, like some brand marketing. I was running a company of 15 people, but I didn't do B2B. 
and I didn't do much much tech, you know, in in that way. But I saw the gap. I saw that everything is foggy, mystic, no people, no humanity, no feelings. And I was like, somebody needs to bring that to the to the B two B. Then comes up like Chris Walker. Then other people figure it out more or less the same time or a couple of months uh, before or after. And, you know, you see that there's a huge space over there. And mm -hmm. let me just try to apply what's been working for B2C and see how it works for B2B. And those things actually work because like in B2B, nobody knew that, you know, like Facebook and Instagram can work as a, as a channel. Yeah. They, they've been trying to do it as a sales channel, but their awareness channel branding yeah. channel where people need to consume the content and then like when this pandemic came and everything then you move into you know exactly what you've been saying so let's get the engagement over there because mm -hmm. one thing i've been doing for for b2c companies uh is like getting engagement under the facebook post so for example i was i was using like the bank we were working for for the huge portal here in serbia which um, you know, work with loans and those kind of things. And the, for people who are using that, banks are the huge enemy, the, you know, the big, the big evil. And if you can get them around that topic, like they go, they tag other people, they yeah. say, fuck them, let's go, Mary, you need to hear this. Uh, and then it goes boom, 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 boom. You get lots of people to sign up, whatever it is your goal. You get also some people to share it. So you get organic reach bigger. Yeah. And then also you get uh, to spend less for the ads and get bigger results. Yeah. And that's what I think marketing is all about. You hit it perfectly. Like marketing is about getting other people to market your stuff for you. And this is part mm -hmm. of cool. I know I won't talk too long about what Chili Piper does. But like at Chili Piper, we believe the way buyers make decisions has changed. That they're no longer like waiting for an SDR to call them so they can be like, great, let's start up this category evaluation of 100 tools that do ABM or whatever. A lot of times the way they're educating themselves is through peers. It's through communities. It's on social. It's through other people at their company who have knowledge of tools in the past. So when buyers come to your website, they just want to be able to book a meeting. They want to be able to book a demo. And that's what Chili Piper does, right? When you come to the demo request form of a Chili Piper client company, like let's take Gong, for example, you put in your email. We'll look up that email versus your prospect list. We'll be like, is this someone you want to talk to or not? Okay, you want to talk to them. Who on your team should talk to them? Then we'll route that lead to the appropriate rep, either named accounts or round robin distribution or lead to account matching, like whatever it is. Then we'll offer up availability for the appropriate rep right on your website. You book a meeting right there. And on average, it doubles inbound conversion rates for our clients. And that's why we have so many amazing customers like Shopify and stuff like that. So it's like, I agree with you totally. Like the way people make decisions is by listening to others now, not necessarily by listening to the company who has every bias in the world uh, in order to promote their product and buyers, they just want to be able to chat with someone and get their questions answered. Um, so yeah, I couldn't agree more, um, on the, uh, on the Facebook side, <laughs> funny little anecdote for a second. I know we only have a couple minutes left, but my, uh, my father-in-law is running this, this charity where he's, he's got like degenerative uh, myeloneuropathy. So he's wheelchair bound, but he's going across all Massachusetts to raise money for hunger. And he accidentally put out 
an ad that was like, get vaccinated, but push it at a, at a subgroup within Facebook that was like a highly religious group. So all of a sudden on his post here, <laughs> he's got 500 comments, everyone being like, oh, like, how dare you tell me to get vaccinated or whatever. But what happened is that boosted the virality of the post and he fundraised a ton of money off it. So it's like, we ended up not pursuing that as a strategy because we couldn't handle responding to all the people and creating like a vaccine misinformation hub but it's like, if you know how people are going to react to your content, you've, you've already won. And even if it's controversial stuff and people are getting angry at you, if you know how they're going to react, then you can, you can ride that to, uh, to kind of virality and more people learning about your brand. So that, that's what your Facebook story reminded me of. And it's just so cool. I, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for all you do at Funky Marketing, seriously, because uh, I see you all all over my feed and... Uh, it's great to finally get to chat with you as well. It's a real honor. Yeah, like likewise. I'm I'm sure this won't be our last chat. I'm sure too. Definitely, uh, man. I don't want to keep you to keep longer. I think we gave people the roadmap how they can they can win using your example, using some other examples. And if uh, somebody has listened to this who got to run the community or the brand engagement, I guess you you now know what what you should do. Yeah. And uh, feel free to connect with me um, if you want to, or check out Chili Piper. Um, if you want to see how the routing works, just go to our website and request a demo, right? And then you'll see the tool in action. Yeah. Um, thank you again for everything. I've got an all hands to hop into in one minute. They're always fun because it's like employees from all over the world. And it's like, what's going on in, you know, Belarus and, you know, <laughs> Russia and, you know, Brazil. It's fun. Yeah, it's always it's always interesting, man. Thanks you once again for being here for sharing Thank all you. that you shared, uh, guys. Keep it funky and see you in uh, in the next episodes. Absolute pleasure. I'll be watching the next episode as well. Thanks again mm -hmm. for having me. Mm -hmm.